Hello, and welcome to When They Popped. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Mary. Welcome back to part two of our Max Martin deep dive. I guess technically this is our part three since one of our first episodes ever was about Max. But today, as promised, we're going to talk about two artists who fall outside of our typical time period. We typically stay within the late 90s, early 2000s. But we're going to discuss some of the biggest hits of the mid 2010s from two of today's biggest artists, Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande. You know, just another reminder of Max's far-reaching influence and how the man is a musical chameleon genius. He can make a hit for truly anybody, and we have a lot of ground to cover, so let's get into it. After our disclaimer that we do not own or claim to own the rights to the songs or performances in this episode, the purpose of these clips is for commentary and critique. Tree pain, are you? Li- we're talking to you. We're commentating. We're critiquing. Yes. Our disclaimer number two is we're big Taylor Swift fans, but we're not Taylor historians like we know so many people in the world are today. So if we get something wrong, don't come for us. We tried. Yes, we love her. We are trying our best and we are not perfect. So. Sorry, I can't be perfect. Remember we're trying. Plan? Oh, they need an episode. I love them. We, oh, next one for sure. Okay, let's get into it. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Let's talk about it. I mean, I think it's common knowledge that one of Max's most recent collaborators is Taylor Allison Swift. Max and Taylor worked together on Taylor's Red album, which came out in 2012. And I'm really glad that they collabed because because Red is Tied is one of my top three Taylor Swift albums. You can't make me choose just one. I know you're wondering. It's Red, 1989, and Midnight's. Those are my top three ties. Do you have a top three tie for first two, Mary? Reputation, Folklore, and 1989. Ooh, mixing it up. Yes. Well, this collaboration with Red was really significant because in this album, Taylor decided to venture more into the pop realm, which was a marked change in direction from her reputation as a country princess. And I mean, there's no better way to go pop than with Max Martin by your side. Can I get an amen? Amen, sister. And honestly, while I believe Red still has like nodes and hints of country, we get this huge shift with the album's two most commercially successful singles, including I Knew You Were Trouble. First of all, oh my God, I knew exactly where I was when I first heard that beat drop. We were, I think, seniors in college. And I remember listening to it that morning and like running into my roommate's room and waking her up because I was like, what is this? What what ha- what what's happening? What is this sound coming from Taylor Swift? It was a cultural shift. And the other huge hit was We Are Never Getting Back Together. Max told a great story in that Polar Award interview that we talked about in our last episode about how nervous he was to meet Taylor. And this ended up being one of the first songs they worked on together. Me and Johan had our... Shellback, sorry, Johan. Um, we, were, we had our first day with her at Conway Studios. And, um, and uh, I, was, I was actually quite... I was a little nervous, you know, that good kind of nervous. I was like, we really have to, you know. And she told me the story about this guy she was dating. And and, and then she said, well, but one thing, one thing, I can't remember exactly. One thing's for sure, we're never, 
ever getting back together. And I was like, that's, that's pretty harsh to say that. No, no, we're never, ever, ever getting back together. And I, and I told her, that's, uh, that sounds like a, and we're laughing about it. That sounds like a song title, you know. And then, uh, and then, and then we started on something else. Uh, and then she came back the next day and she, she, she was like, well, I thought about what you said. And she played us this idea that then became this song. I mean, can you imagine the power that Taylor already had at such a young age to make Max Martin, the literal king of pop, nervous? I know. Oh, my gosh. When I heard the phone conversation dialogue for the first time, like, I I almost passed away. <laughs> so he calls me up and he's like, I loved it so much. And having that song come out in college was also just like such a gift to me personally. <laughs> Truly, it was. Well, thankfully for us, Red was just the beginning of her creatively lucrative collab with Max. So her next era was ushered in when Taylor devoted herself to pivoting 100% to pop with 1989 in 2014. So this was when Taylor made that conscious decision to stop being cross-genre so she could win some awards, damn it! Okay, maybe not just to win awards, but here's a clip of Taylor explaining the inspiration behind going all pop after she lost album of the year with Red. You have a few options when you don't win an award. You can decide like, oh, they're wrong. They all voted wrong. Second, you can be like, I'm going to go up on the stage and take the mic from whoever did win it. <laughs> or third, you can say, maybe they're right. Maybe I did not make the record of my career. Maybe I need to fix the problem, which was that I have not been making sonically cohesive albums. So in this same interview, Taylor shares that she asked Max to co-executive produce 1989 with her, and she wanted to keep her list of collaborators very small, four to five people tops. And this list included Jack Antonoff, Ryan Tedder, Imogen Heap, and Shellback. And Taylor and Max would oversee the entire album so that she truly had this quote-unquote sonically cohesive album that she was desperately seeking. And she describes the album as 1980s synth pop. Though I personally argue that Taylor's version, you know, the one that she just re-recorded and came out with, takes those synthy vibes to like a whole other level. And it really shines in her most recent rework. And guess what? You know, this collaboration, slimming down the number of collaborators, having Max co-executive produce the album with her, it worked. 1989 won Album of the Year and Best Pop Vocal Album at the 2016 Grammy Awards. And it's been listed by countless magazines as one of the all-time best albums. It broke all kinds of records. We don't have enough time to go through literally all of them because they're just too many. But the most important thing was that it cemented Taylor Swift as the pop star of our generation. So let's talk about some of these bops. I want to start with one of my favorites from the album, Out of the Woods. So this is a really synthy song, and Taylor says that it best represents 1989. But it was the sixth single, so interesting. <laughs> but... One thing about Taylor is we're not going to get two or three singles. We're going to get two hands worth. 
So the way that this one came about was Jack Antonoff sent a finished instrumental track to Taylor while she was on a plane. And apparently she sent him a voice memo with the lyrics just 30 minutes later. And then apparently this song was the first time Taylor ever composed lyrics for an existing instrumental. She usually has done like the inverse, which is really interesting to me. So Max produced on this one, but it's one of the few that he didn't write on. Any thoughts on Out of the Woods? I mean, this is probably top three for me on this album, but I guess it makes sense that he was only a producer because the synth is synthing. It just wouldn't make sense if Max Martin wasn't involved in a synthy track, but Jack Antonoff is like, I see your synth, Max, and I'm going to triple the synth. (laughs) How about that final pre-chorus bridge? Show me a better final pre-chorus bridge. If I get a paper cut, I am singing 20 (laughs) stitches in a hospital room. (laughs) Right. Of course. Drama knows no bounds. You were looking at May and there's like 10 echoes. May. May. Like it's a. Oh, you're right. It is a May. 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 You were looking at May. May of it all. And it, it, it makes sense. The math maths. The max math maths that's max math there's girl math and now there's max math (laughs) so let's move on to the album's lead single shake it off Uh, okay so this isn't my favorite song but damn it it is catchy okay and i do think it was a great introduction to taylor as a pop artist not pop country just straight up pop. I do think that it set the stage for what was to come with the rest of 1989, but I do agree with the critics that while the beat is super catchy, typical Max, the lyrics were weak, and Taylor wrote this song with Max and Shellback, womp womp, but to me, this just isn't an I want it that way situation where the lyrics don't matter, because this is Taylor Swift, and with Taylor, we've become so accustomed to her painstakingly detailed, creative worlds and Easter eggs. And while for any other artist, this would probably be a perfectly good song, I believe that she has just set the bar too high lyrically for this to be considered one of her best. I agree. I didn't mind it when it first came out. It just got shoved down our throats. Like, you know, those songs that almost overplay on the radio, the one part that just like gives me shivers in the worst way is this sick beat. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't hear that ever again. I might die. So (laughs) I'm okay if I don't hear this song again. So when we do meet Max, we will not ask him who came up with that lyric because the whole illusion could be ruined for us. Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't tell me. I think like you and I can agree that we don't need to hear this song again, but it may be hard to convince other people of that because this song topped the charts and went multi-platinum across like a million countries. Okay, the second single off of 1989 was Blank Space, which was co-written with Max and Shawback again. To me, this one will forever be one of the greats and of the year 2015. It was one of the best-selling singles of the year and was nominated for Song of the Year at the Grammys. It's a really simple intro. You just know immediately what it is. (laughs) 
don't even know what instrument that is. That But whatever it is, yeah. you freaking know that it's blank space. One more thought about this intro. When I hear this, I cannot unhear that it is perhaps a more simplified, modernized version of the iconic intro, You Drive Me Crazy by Britney Spears. There's just so many similarities there to me. Anyways, moving on. I'm sure that's not an original thought. Just once I heard that, I like couldn't unhear it. And that's the magic of Max. Okay, moving on. Max and Shellback used, quote unquote, a sparse production to really emphasize the lyrics and Taylor's voice on this one. And here is where the synthesizers and those layered backing vocals really shine. Don't say I didn't say I didn't warn ya. I love the whole effect. And this song reminded me of when Max shared in that interview that we keep referencing that one of the hardest parts of his job and one of his secrets to success is restraint, not adding too many things to a song. And this is just like the perfect example right here. It's certainly a winning combo because Blank Space took the number one position from Shake It Off on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, making Taylor the first and only woman ever in the charts history to succeed herself <laughs> at the top spot. Yeah, that's like the main note I had for this song. It's a great example of Max knowing when less is more. And he didn't overproduce the song. There was consistent beat and tenor throughout the entire thing. And I mean, just look how much of an earworm smash it was as a result. Like, my goodness. And it's interesting because it just... You know, in our last episode, we heard him say, you know, the lyrics don't matter as much as the melody. But then for this one, it's like, no, we want your voice and the lyrics to shine. So I wonder if it's almost like he just picks one thing that he wants people to really focus on and just sure. let that, he's okay letting one thing be the focal point. Like not everything can be in focus right. at once. The man of melody. Okay, moving along to the third single of the album, another Max Martin co-written bop style. This Ugh. one has that throbbing bass that you just want to groove to. So some critics have categorized this genre as like a hybrid of disco and new wave, synth pop and funk pop, whatever you call it. I don't really care. It's amazing. I mean, this song will stand the test of time, I believe. Ugh. Those intro guitar notes on style. As soon as I hear it, I'm just like, oh, it's style. You know, you know, a Max Martin signature spotted with those guitar notes. And the chorus hits hard with those beats. You know, James Dean Daydream. She's not coming in soft with those. Those are hitting hard. And honestly, I put style up there with like Teenage Dream as an era defining pop song. Truly. Oh, God, I love Teenage Dream so much. I agree. However, did you know this one never made it to number one of the Billboard Hot 100? It peaked at number six. Another reason why we take the charts with a grain of salt. 
I feel like the best ones never make number one anyway. Let's talk about Bad Blood, because clearly we have some with the Billboard charts. This was the fourth single off of 1989. And I always felt like this one could have been on Reputation. Like, sometimes I forget that it's not. Because it's, like, all about, like, revenge and being salty. So this one was also co-written by Max and Shellback. A lot of critics say that this is not just one of the weakest songs on the album, but of Taylor's whole discography. What say you about that claim, Mary? I will say I put the lyric composition like on par with Shake It Off. I like the concept that she created from Bad Blood, you know, bringing the girl group together. I definitely hear Max Martin on this song. I mean, it just starts out with Taylor screaming, now we got Cause baby, now we got bad blood. You know we used to be mad love. Like, what song is that? Very heavy hitting, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, you know. What song is this? <laughs> no, I'm not sure. But um, lyrically, I think it's very weak. Bad blood, mad love. Like, I can't really oh. imagine Taylor ever saying, like, mad love in That sounds a little maxi. She won a Grammy for the music video, so she's doing pretty well off this song. That was you know? the best part of it. I agree. Oh, my God. I want to know how much they had to pay to get everyone out there for that. Anyways, let's move on to the fifth single from 1989, Wildest Dreams. but it interpolates Taylor's actual heartbeat in the song. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I found that out maybe a couple years ago, but I mean, how creative. My God. So critics have described this genre as dream pop and electro pop with elements of chill wave. Who names these genres? Because I really want that to be my next job. Uh, a change in pace bridge. I see you in hindsight. You see me in hindsight, tangled up with you all night, burning, burning, it's getting down. Oh my God. So it's like a totally different melody for that final bridge. There's a swelling instrumental key change for the final chorus. I'm shookest. It's so good. It's so max. And I remember hearing he played the keyboard for this song, I believe. He He did. And he also played the piano. A double whammy on the keys. Is there anything this man can't do? And it just makes me lol that Taylor is credited with, quote, vocals, writer, and heart sounds. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know they credited it like that. That's funny. Okay, one more big one from me on 1989. Honestly, this is my favorite from the entire album, if we're able to include the bonus Mm. tracks, and Mm. that's New Romantics. So this was the seventh and final single from 1989. Now it's on Spotify, but back in 2015, you had to do the Taylor Swift Jungle Gym exercise to get it from either an iTunes exclusive download or the deluxe version of 1989, which is only at Target. (laughs) Classic Taylor breadcrumbing us with some of the best songs ever. 
it was a big inconvenience at that time, but it was worth it. This song is so good. I do not understand why it Hmm. didn't make the cut. In 2019, Rolling Stone included New Romantics on their list of the 100 best songs of the 2010s decade. Forget the song of the year. This is a song of the decade, and it wasn't even on the album. A lot of critics said that the pulsating synthesizers are the most akin to 1980s pop in this song. So, like, this in their argument is like the most representative of the vibe that she was going for with the whole album. So again, I ask you, why did you leave it off? Rob Sheffield of Rolling Stone. He's this like pretty well-known music critic. He ranked new romantics as the second best song of 2014 and the second greatest song of Taylor Swift's entire Mm -hmm. career. He said, quote, I have no idea why she left a song this urgent Mm -hmm. and glittery and perfect off her album. But geniuses are weird. Ah. (laughs) Rob, I couldn't agree with you more. I love calling it urgent and glittery because like this is a song that you need to hear. Baby, I could build a castle out of all the bricks they threw. Like this is urgent for every teenage girl to hear. Yes, my God. Once again, on this track, we have Max credited as a producer, songwriter, keyboard, piano, and programming. So those pulsating synths all the critics loved, that was all Max, baby. I don't want to throw this around lightly, but I would also put New Romantics up there with Teenage Dream and Style as one of the best pop songs of our lifetime. And I feel like it sounds like I'm throwing this title around willy-nilly, but just 1989 was that good of a pop album that, in my opinion, it has too. I agree. Okay. All right. So now we are getting into reputation. So... 1989 was arguably an album of our lifetime, right? Like it solidified Taylor as a multifaceted artist that could straddle the lines of so many different genres and styles of music. So I guess why fix what's not broken, right? Three years after 1989 was released and on November 10th, 2017, just over a year after Kim Kardashian infamously and probably now regrettably released a clip of the phone call between Taylor and Kanye and the ensuing snake gate, we received the gift that is reputation. Taylor's fifth album further pushed her in a new direction musically, showing her range and incorporating elements of electro pop with heavy electronic production with EDM instrumentation and rhythms. The melodies are characterized by propulsive bass notes, pulsating synthesizers, and loud program drum machines. Hmm, who could we be talking about? <laughs> Literally. Let me say pulsating. <laughs> Pulsing. So, as I said, you don't fix what's not broken. So Taylor brought back the same writing and producing teams from 1989, Jack, Max Martin, and Shellback. This album, Reputation, went on to be certified three times platinum and was nominated for Best Pop Vocal Album at the Grammys. Snub alert. Now, I feel like there are two kind of girlies out there. A reputation girly or not a reputation girly. And Kelsey, I need to know where you fall on this issue. Obvi, reputation girly. It's tied for my second favorite album after the three-way tie for first. That's Taylor Math. <laughs> like you, I'm definitely a reputation girly. When I'm not being an emo, emotive, little sloth and folkloring my way through life, I find this is 
the album of Taylor's I Turn to the Most, but 1989 is nipping at his heels, and it all makes sense because our sweet, humble Max Martin was producing and co-writing all of our favorites on this one, too. We do get an incredible gift with this album and a lot of like video footage and clips of Taylor working with Max and Jack on the directions of certain songs. And so I'm going to be incorporating some clips into some of these as well, just a heads up. There will be no explanation, only reputation. There will be no explanation. There will just be reputation. And I will never get over this dark, pissier side of Taylor coming for the Kardashians with a vengeance. Look what you made her do, Kim. But okay, that is not a Max Martin track. <laughs> Look what you made me do. So I'm not going to talk about that one too much. Instead, I'm just going to touch on the ones <laughs> that Max worked on. And it's a lot of them. So let's get into it. First, ready for it. So the intro, the beats that ensue immediately after like... like stadium vibrating like it just so bassy and heavy it's an electropop industrial pop song but still incorporates influence of dance hall and trap music we get the deep sense in my dreams you should see the things we do a dubstep bass And some rapping from Taylor. Listening to it now, I guess Taylor kind of does rap on her verses on this one. Heard he was a killer. Like, it's not like as singy as normal. But again, this is Max Martin to its core. Um, so did I tell you that I'm going to see Eras in London what? this summer? Yes. I am most excited, I think, to see this song live. Like, you're... I want to feel it, like, radiating my bones. You know, when you're, like, at a concert, you just feel your whole body move with the bass. Yes, and this song will do it for you. Trust me. Knew he was a killer. I am ready for it. Kelsey is indeed ready for it. Chef's kiss to the production team, writing team, Taylor, Max Martin, Shellback. So let's move right along to another favorite of mine. I'm going to be saying that a lot. Don't blame me. Now, this song combines electropop, EDM, and gospel. Its production is driven by, hmm, you guessed it, heavy bass. Pulsing synthesizers. Manipulated vocals. Now, both Max and Shellback play keyboards on the track, and Max also provided background vocals. We have like a little clip of them working on a beat and doing vocalizations together. Don't blame me, love made me crazy. If he doesn't, you'll be doing it right. It's funny to me that Max literally described himself as a decent singer back in the day Mm -hmm. in this like polar 
award interview that he did. And it's like, my man, you sang background with Taylor Swift. <laughs> like you are being a little too humble. Okay. He is so humble. Uh, but it, it just makes him so much more lovable. They're the booth together. I love that Taylor did these recordings where she like showed the behind the scenes. It's so cool. First of all, we really get behind the scenes of Taylor, except when she decides to show us what she wants to show us. And we never get behind the scenes of Max. So it's just like, this is just gift after gift. But Rolling Stone likened Don't Blame Me to Madonna's Like a Prayer. I think because of this kind of gospel element to it. And then, of course, in eras, we have that moment where all the lights shoot up and it looks like everyone's like, take me to church, Taylor. And she does like that pitch change, the key change in the final chorus. Yes. Hello. So let's move on to another favorite of mine. I think I like this one even more. I did something bad. Now we have that viral, iconic <laughs> reputation video of Max and Taylor creating that. The second and the fifth one was great. It's gonna double that. Ra 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 ra. Second and fifth. Ra ra. Max took Taylor's voice and like pitched it down and made it the like ra ra ra. It's baffling to me. That how was creative. really good impersonation of it, Mary. Oh, good. Now I can't do it. That was good. Maybe they should hire me. I think so. You're going to be in there with Max and Taylor next time. Tell me when and where. She'll pay her own ticket. Yes, I will earn my way into the circle. So Taylor developed the song on a piano and in an interview she explained that get this tell me if this ever happens to you kelsey i can already say probably not (laughs) taylor said that the idea for the production for this incredible song came to her in a dream mary do you want to know what i dream about i dream that i'm a worm and then i wake up and i say husband will you still love me if i'm a worm and then i'm (laughs) mad at him for the rest of the day So no, Mary, my dreams are not to be compared with Taylor Swift. Right. She has this dream and then she describes a concept of a dream to Max, who then is able to understand what she's saying about her dream and work his production magic and create this song. I love that this is Taylor's rebelling a little bit. You know, bad is good. Bad equal good. I love that for her. Stopping beats. It just tells her. Pulsing synthesizers. <laughs> Manipulated vocals. They're burning all the witches, even if you aren't right. So let me up. What else do we need? But okay, so a next one. Okay, this one is a little less. I don't know. I feel like it's not like a mainstream hit, but that's dancing with our hands tied. An undercover favorite of mine. I think there's a lot of ways to interpret this song, but it's definitely about a forbidden or secret love. The verses are kind of like an up-tempo, like quick beat, almost like frantic. I don't know. And then we get this 
great unexpected drop and like dubstep in the chorus. But we were dancing. This was like not originally a favorite of mine, but it's really grown on me. Same. I like forget about it sometimes. And then whenever I listen to it, I'm like, this slaps. It really does. Like the chorus is like a, a surprise. It's a, a really fun surprise. Because we were dancing. Bah, bah, dancing with the... Yeah. Yep. Agreed. But let's pivot. Let's pivot to another one that our Max and Taylor magic created together. And that is Delicate. Is it cool that I said all that? Is it too soon to do this yet? Cause I know that it's delicate. Delicate is an electropop synth pop ballad that features vocals that are manipulated with a vocoder. So like this ain't for the best. This ain't for the best. My reputation's never been worse, so you must like me for me. That weird tone of voice is done by a vocoder that we have like this slight echo vibe. Yes. And you put Max's sense with it. And I mean, I, tell me you don't know that song is the first point zero seconds it plays. Now, Naive Mary would have never linked Max Martin to this track, but now it does make sense to me. We get like softer beats, but they are pulsing like boom, boom. The nice kind of contrast to the heavy hitting dubstep that is very common to reputation. Confession session. I listen to this song once a week. Wow. Oh, I love that. I also love the Seab remix when you need to listen to it. Yes. But people are over and you're trying to be more at beat. It's so good. Okay. Another one that I wouldn't attribute to Max Martin if I had to guess. And that is gorgeous. Okay, before we get into it, we obviously all know that Blake's daughter and Taylor's goddaughter, James Reynolds, I guess, James Lively Reynolds, whatever she goes by, recorded the gorgeous intro in her little itty bitty baby voice Gorgeous. however i need to know what will she do for that in taylor's version like will we get an older james recording the intro i, I just i have we to just have another baby blake and ryan i'm hopeful that that's what they'll do but Maybe that's how they'll drop the the name oh do we not know the name I don't know. I don't know either. I can't keep up with everybody and their babies. Let me tell you. But um, <laughs> we're in a different part of our lives. We're not having babies. We're Googling who collabed with Max Martin to make is- pulsating synth. <laughs> but the story behind this, obviously, it's a cute one. Taylor decided to feature James's little voice in this after she was playing an acoustic demo to her besties, Blake and Ryan. And then, of course, you know, kids, they want to repeat everything you say. And James kept saying gorgeous over and over. And so it ultimately became a part of that song, a very recognizable intro to that song, I might add. But Gorgeous is a bubblegum, an electropop song. Even though it's like kind of a more of a minimalist production, you hear the drum beats. There's nothing I hate more than what I can't have. Guess I'll just stumble on home to my cats. You hear the synthesizers. The Atlantic likened the pre-chorus drums to Snoop Dogg's Drop It Like It's Hot. 
I can exercise you. This could be your fizz ad. Cheat on your man, man. That's how you get a his ad. Sunset and How do people find these comparisons? I mean, I'm not complaining. I love it. It's just something I would never put together. But again, another song, kind of like Delicate, I would never give to Max Martin. But this is probably my least favorite production on the album, however, and probably the song I seek out least on Reputation, if I have to be honest. Oh, same. Okay, next one I want to touch on that they worked on together. Endgame with Future and Ed Sheeran. Now, Endgame is an incorporation of pop, rap, R&B. It has trap beats, loose vocal cadences. Max, Shellback are both working on this track. The intro, you know, I want to be Endgame. And then we get that dropped up. Big reputation. Boom. You know, those beats. I hear the Swedish influence. I want to be Endgame, Endgame. Big reputation. My fun tie to Endgame. Fun fact, they shot this Joseph Kahn directed music video, or at least part of it, out in Miami. And we were able to watch the boat that they shot this on from my apartment in Brickle. My friend brought over binoculars. We like, oh my God. Yes, it was really cool. But yeah, so that's my fun little connection to Endgame. Oh my God. I know. I like this song. It's good. It gets stuck in my head more than others on the album for sure. That kind of like melodic, repetitive, big reputation. Big reputation, big reputation. Oh, you and me, we got big reputations. Ah. Or like the echoes, reason. like, I want to be an end game. End game. Oh, oh yeah. First game, first game. I want to be So good. All right. The final one I want to touch on from Taylor and Max is So It Goes. This is kind of another one that isn't super, like, I guess, popular. I don't know. But I like it because I like most things Max does. Let's be honest. I hear him in the chorus, that heavy hitting beat drops, like, and all the pieces fall. Boom. And all the pieces fall. right into place it has max written all over it and we get that final chorus we get a pitch change up a note from taylor which again i tend to associate with max i can hear it what do you think i'm with you I love it. This one does have a super slow start, though, which I feel like is uncharacteristic of mm-hmm. Max. See you in the dark. I think I looked it up. It takes like five or six seconds before we get to the meat of it. But everything I- else screams Max. 10 out of 10 album. Max Martin all over it. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding. And I still think you can hear the songs from the 90s and the 2000s. There's not a formula, so he says, but we're still hearing a lot of the similar characteristics and traits in 1989 and reputation. And that's on Max Math. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, so before moving on to our final pop diva in which Max has been heavily involved in the majority of her discography, let's discuss the proverbial elephant in the room. Where is Max Martin? We have gotten a Taylor's version of 1989 just recently, and Max did not receive any production credits. Are him and Taylor on the outs? What's going on? We want to talk about it. Here are some theories that I have found on the internet and want to get Kelsey's take. So first option, Max's fee is astronomical. So it would cost millions of dollars, in theory, to get Max back in the studio to re-record Taylor's version. I personally don't buy this. She's a billionaire, but I guess maybe this is where she decides to be frugal, but like that just doesn't ring like Taylor to me. What do you think? Quiet luxury. Yeah. <laughs> not having Max on your Taylor's. Yeah. I'm not going to splurge for Max for Taylor's version. Like that okay. does not math for me. I don't think it's likely. Okay. Another option. Taylor wants the producer credit. She wants to be the producer and Maybe Taylor wants to be more hands-on production-wise than would be typical when you're working with someone like Max Martin. Like, and that wouldn't make you know, it wouldn't make sense. Like, if you're paying this man all this money to make magic production, why would you be producing? What do you think about that one? Uh, I don't know if that's likely either. That one rings a little more likely to me than the first one. Who wants to be in control of her art more than Taylor Swift? I guess my argument to that is that the songs didn't change that drastically. I think New Romantics is ruined. It is so different. But you know what song I fucking love? I Know Places. Oh my God, they made it 10 times better. But he wasn't even on that one. I know. It wasn't a bad so, one. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. I think it's a stretch. My other option that could be why Max is not on 1989, Taylor's version, is he said no. Max is notoriously private. The Polar interview where he did this sit-down interview in 2016 is like one of the handful that he's ever done ever. He's just never someone that sought the spotlight. Taylor is a continual spotlight with her re-records, Eras tour, dating life, and Maybe this was just all too much and not something he felt he needed to do or be a part of at this point in his career. I don't think that's likely either because he works with the biggest stars and like that's never stopped him before. There's no like scandal around re-recording 1989, you know? If anything, him not participating caused a PR shitstorm because everyone's like, where's Max? Like, where's Waldo? Where's Max? You Google Max Martin right now, all the articles yeah. that are going to show up is why wasn't he on 1980? And everybody trying to figure out if he's going to be on Reputation, which I don't think he's going to be. Like, why would he be on Reputation if he's not on 89? So the verdict's out. You know, I'm leaning towards production, but regardless... What I pray before I go to bed every single night is that they don't have freaking beef. Like watching Max in the Polar interview, he was just so funny, humble, and seems like such a special person. The Einstein of his craft with a huge heart. It would break my heart if there was a beef or falling out. I honestly don't even think it's like that deep. I feel like she shares writing credits with Jack Antonoff all the time and Aaron. So maybe she just really has evolved over an artist over time. So her collaborators have shifted and sh that circle has shrunk 
too. I just don't think it's like as big of a deal as everyone's making it out to be. She wanted to do something different for Taylor's version. So that's what she did instead of bringing back all the original people. To me, it's like a natural progression. I don't know. I don't know. I I think think it's overblown. I'm a little worried. But at this point in her career, I don't think she would collaborate with Max going forward as it was. Like, I don't know that Taylor is who we need to look to to bring us new Max hits. I think it's some of the artists who he's already collaborated with and some talent that we don't even know are coming out yet. Yeah, no, I don't need that from her now. But I would have loved if there was an explanation. There will be no explanation, only (laughs) reputation. (laughs) You're so right. (laughs) Okay, so time to move on to our second diva of this two-part series in which we discuss all the incredible people Max Martin has worked with. And that is Ariana Grande. And where we're going to start is her album, My Everything. This came out in 2014, and it was Ariana's second album after her debut, Yours Truly, and the first time that she worked with Max Martin and company. For My Everything, Ariana wanted it to sound as an evolution from Yours Truly, exploring more mature and diverse lyrical content and musical styles. Primarily a pop and R&B record, My Everything expands on the 1990s retro R&B style of its predecessor, while also dabbling in some new genres like EDM, electropop, and dance pop. It was nominated for the Best Pop Vocal Album at that year's Grammys and also certified two times platinum. For this album, Ariana decided to enlist the help of King of Pop Production, Max Martin. After working with him on this album, Ariana was quoted saying, he's like a mathematician. He knows music like math. It just makes sense to him. And I would happen to agree. I know we say there's no formula, but... The math is mathing, okay? So let's talk about a few tracks on my everything that Ariana and Max work together that are worth mentioning. And the first one is obviously Break Free. Oh my God. (sighs) So Max is a writer and producer on this track. Zed also produced it. And in the chorus, that's where I feel like we really hear Zed's influence. It's like straight up EDM-y, like duh-duh. I don't know, but like, okay, we need to talk about this. Where I feel like I hear Max Martin the most is the lyrics. So remember, we talked about tragical. Sometimes we see lyrics that don't make as much sense because the lyrics aren't always the focus. And so let's talk about that one key line for Break Free that I remember the first time I heard it, record scratch, like, rick, rick. What the fuck did she just say? And that's now that I've become who I really are. Like, what? The Swedish lyrics are killing me. I remember just even when this came out in 2014, being like, they have to be smarter than this. Like, they have to know that's not grammatically correct. And now it all makes sense. Okay, genuinely, though, I rarely understand a word that Ariana says. So I didn't even notice that. But you know how Spotify now shows you, like, lyrics when you're listening to songs? In that version, it says now that I've become who I really am. So I think this might just be a case of Ariana famously not having the best pronunciation or enunciating her lyrics. (laughs) But it is freaking hilarious. 
I think this is a really cool concept knowing that it's like Max and Zed productions. Like mashed up, I feel like I can hear both of their influence on this song. Specifically for Max, like there is a notably synthy throbbing beat that carries the verses and continues through that EDM chorus. No, but seriously, we need Max and Zed to collab more. Like, please, please, I'm begging you. I love this song. They also did Beauty and a Beat with Justin Bieber. Like, Zed plus Max equals heart eyes. Give us more. More. We want more. (laughs) Okay, so the second and final track I want to mention off my everything that Max and Ari worked on together is Problem. Oh my gosh. So Problem is another favorite of mine. This is an up-tempo dance pop R&B song that incorporates uh, jazz, hip-hop, funk. You hear drums, saxophones, trumpets. It was so unique at the time and I freaking love it. How about the intro? You don't tell me in the first three seconds of the song, you don't know what it is. The saxophone incorporation made it super unique, recognizable. And then it goes from that to this heavy bass drop. Max Martin, Chef's Kiss. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Okay, the chokehold this song had on everyone. I mean, you're so right with that super recognizable intro. To me, it actually reminded me of JLo's Get Right. They kind of have like a similar funky intro, like those horns, you immediately know what song it is. To me, there's just some similarities there. This song is great. It's just a fun little toe tapper, if you will. (laughs) Okay, so moving on, because Ari's worked with Max quite a bit. For her next album, we got 2016's Dangerous Woman, and that was filled with bangers. Max produced many of the songs that you would recognize from pop radio on this album. However... His writing involvement on this album was less. And again, that makes sense to me as I'm sure Ariana was expanding, growing as an artiste. She wants that creative control. She's able to write a lot of her own songs. Ariana gave a little interview during this era and talked about what it was like working with Max Martin. Max is and always has been a dream. He's so talented and so chill and so humble, which is so refreshing because a man who's been as successful as he has in pop music, for him to just be as cool as he is is so amazing. I love it. He's like a friend to me. This makes me so happy to hear. (laughs) I love that Max is a humble king. I feel like we always talk about that, but how amazing to hear it from Ariana, like one of the biggest stars in the entire world. Um, History lesson. Who was it that said, like, speak softly, carry a big stick? Teddy Roosevelt. Look at me. She's a historian. I think that Max literally embodies this. Speak softly, carry a big catalog of hits is more like it. I mean, it's just incredible how he brings this amazing energy to all of these artists. And God, it's just so nice to hear that. So cool. So 
Dangerous Woman received critical acclaim. It was nominated for Best Pop Album at that year's Grammys and went two times platinum. Entertainment Weekly writer Nolan Feeney commented that on Dangerous Woman, quote, with a streamlined team of hit makers such as Max Martin, she pulls off pop, R&B, reggae, and house, all without overextending herself or pandering to trends, end quote. And I mean, this was a damn good album. And, you know, the critics are crediting Max for helping guide her to straddle this fine line between genres. So there are three songs on Dangerous Woman I want to touch on. First one being Into You. Into You is like one of my favorite songs ever. It just never gets old for me. And wow, shocker, it's Max Martin's song. Okay, so Into You is a dance pop house electro EDM song. We get a club beat. We get the synths. It was certified four times platinum. Our boy Max served as a writer and producer. The pop just oozes from the chords and production of this song. Those intro beats give it right away. So it's just like a pulsing beat that brings you right into the up-tempo first verse. And she was met with widespread critical acclaim. Jameson Cox of The Verge stated that the track might be the catchiest song cut from the album to date. He added, quote, you can thank or blame pop god Max Martin and his cabal of songwriters for those razor-sharp disco synths. This song does not get old. I totally agree. I love the slow build. You get that pulsating beat in the intro. It almost sounds like you're like outside a club hearing the music from inside. It's like muffled and you're like, oh my God, I can't wait to get in there. And then boom, the beat drops. You're inside the club in the middle of the dance floor as new production elements unfold and continue to build throughout that first chorus. But even with all of this stuff going on, like it still sounds so clean. And Ariana's incredible range is still like the star here. I feel like he could have easily overdone the production on this one. So again, such a great example of his restraint, king of restraint, king of being humble. And like, show me somebody who doesn't want to dance to this song and I'll show you a liar. Moving right along to our second song from Dangerous Woman, Side to Side. Uh, okay, so this is a reggae pop dance hall track. It's complemented with R&B influences. It was certified six times platinum. We get Ari and Nicki Minaj on this, one of many of their collaborations together. Max served as a writer and producer. We get Queen Onika's iconic verse. I give zero fucks and I got zero chilling me. This one is a little less Max Martiny for me, but it's a unique venture for Ariana and I like it. I agree. I would not have, in a lineup of Ariana songs, I would not have pinpointed this one to be a Max Bop. However, I mean, this song just nailed a special moment in time where cycling was all the rage. And this music video, I mean, any girl who's done a soul cycle class was just dying to get on the bike <laughs> to 
spin it out, pedal it out to this song. Were they not? It was a moment. Okay. Final track off of Dangerous Woman that we need to discuss is the title track, Dangerous Woman. Something about you. those vocals my goodness this is a mid-tempo slow jam pop track it has elements of r&b retro soul and also paired with strong influences of rock music again if you made me bet the ranch on this i would never peg it as max martin but we do know he is a rock man at heart and those influences definitely do shine through max served as a writer and producer on this track It later came out that the song was originally written for Carrie Underwood, and it was also pitched to Alicia Keys and Rihanna. Another fun fact, although he's not officially credited on the track, Charlie Puth can actually be heard beatboxing in the background. Charlie later explained his beatboxing was added in order to achieve a higher frequency on the snare drum. Like, what? Like, first of all, Charlie Puth and his musical genius always impresses me. But do you hear Max on this track, Kels? Again. Color me surprised. I continue to be shocked that I'm shocked by so many of these Max songs. Like, I feel like I should know better by now, but the rage, the rage. I like this song. I also didn't know that little tidbit about Charlie Puth. I I didn't realize that he and Max had worked together, but I did a little bit of research and it seems like Charlie really idolizes Max. He called him like the pop god of the world in one of his interviews. And that's just very cool that he got to work with him and he's featured on this song. I literally had no idea. Fun fact, Mare. Okay, we have two more Ariana albums to take you through. And the next one is her 2018 album, Sweetener. And this gave us even more bops. Musically, Sweetener is a pop, R&B, and trap record that includes elements of house, funk, neo-soul, and hip-hop music. And it's just literally everything in the kitchen sink, and that's why I love it so much. The melodies and harmonies on the album are diverse. It includes up-tempo songs and many different down-tempo sentimental ballads. Notably, Max is credited with playing bass, drums, keyboards, and percussion on a few of the tracks on this album. Obviously, this album is acclaimed AF. It was certified two times platinum and won the Grammy for Best Pop Female Vocal Album. So three tracks I want to touch on that Ari and Max were together on Sweetener. The first being No Tears Left to Cry. I'm picking it up. I'm picking it up. I'm living. I'm living. I'm picking. Oh my God. I remember when this came out. I was living for it. She does her like little like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I love her. The little audible she mixes in. But No Tears Left to Cry was actually the first song Ariana wrote with Max Martin for Sweetener after working with Pharrell for most of the album. And she wanted her first single since the Manchester bombing to be hopeful and, you know, acknowledge and touch on the incident with respect, but not dwell on it. 
Legend has it that this song came about when Ariana said, I want the single to be positive and talk about positivity and love. I don't have any tears left to cry. Max Martin then sang the chorus melody, like in response to this statement she made. And then that's how they kind of came up with the music. They actually composed the music before coming up with the entirety of the lyrics. And that sounds very much like the Max Martin process. Again, melody over everything. Melody first. One thing about Max, he's going to prioritize the melody. Sing us some melody, you're the melody man. <laughs> I feel like the chorus and the verses are really different in the song. They kind of just have different tone, maybe sonically. I don't know. I just, I like the contradiction between both of them. That's just how I hear it. But again, we get beats. Picking it up, picking it up. Loving, I'm so we turn it up. Yeah, we turn it up. We get synths. It's a really good pop song. I think this is like a perfect pop song, honestly. I feel like it's like a serious subject matter, but it's in such an accessible, fun beat. It's an empowering message. It's something so accessible that so many people can access. I think this is going to be one of those great pop songs that like the next generation knows. I think it's going to be in rotation for a very long time, as it should be. Next one I want to touch on is Every Time. This one is an all-time favorite for me. It's such like a beautiful kind of sadder song. And again, I think I like these ones that I'm really freaking surprised is Max Martin because this is one of them. He has his signatures and giveaways where you can pick him out in a song, but he still keeps me on my toes and guessing because, you know, I would have never guessed he served as a producer on this track. I loved how Elias Light from Rolling Stones described this song. He said, quote, at first, Ariana delivers an unyielding staccato rap. It's like something But she abruptly returns to supple singing on the line-ending phrase, back to you. Stereo Gum's Chris Neville noted, quote, the broken-hearted trap pop aesthetic definitely manifests on the sparkling Max Martin production, end quote. To me, this is a less is more production example, kind of like blank space. It's just like simple, not too much going on, less produced and more focus on Ariana's vocals. What do you think, Kels? Totally agree. It's all about the restraint here. I mean, the melody is just so strong. You don't need anything else. It's going to get stuck in your head. It's just a great song and it's easy to sing along to, which I really like because a lot of Ariana songs are really hard to sing to. Okay. Final one off Sweetener that Ari and Max worked on that I want to mention is God is a Woman. So unique. God is a Woman is described as a pop-hip-hop hybrid track that has influences of reggae over hypnotic trap pop production. Woo, a mouthful. But this song kind of starts slow and ethereal and light. We get a focus on Ariana's vocals. We know right away what song this is. And then we get that noticeable heavy beat drop. It lingers when we're done. You, but it got. 
I definitely hear Max Martin and the Swedish influence in this. Yeah, this one starts out with those really strong, isolated guitars in the beginning when she's just singing, you, you love it. You know, it has some elements super reminiscent of those signature Mac sounds. But, you know, I'm going to be honest, I was surprised that it's a Mac song. Now that I know, like, I can sort of go back and find the Max signatures, but he just never ceases to amaze me, I guess. Fun fact about this one, during an interview with Sirius XM, Camila Cabello commented that God is a Woman was initially written for her. And the original version was actually a duet, and it was for Camila and Rita Ora. And that actually leaked online in 2023. Okay, final album I want to talk about, and there's only one song I want to mention. And I'm sorry, and then I'll stop. But like, there's so many hits, it just feels almost illegal to leave any of these out. But so just six months after the release of Sweetener, we got Ari's iconic drop of her album, Thank You, Next, and all the incredible media and content that came with it. The development of Thank You, Next was unusually quick. Ari and her team, so including Max Martin, wrote about nine songs in about a week, and then they completed most of the recording after about another two weeks. Okay, speedies, but... Musically, the album is predominantly pop, R&B, and trap. However, it explores a diversity of other music genres. We hear some dancehall, soul, and urban influences. It was described as Ariana's most personal record up to that point, and its lyrical content reflected on personal flaws, grief, and denial, as well as independence and self-empowerment. The album was certified two times platinum. But we hear from Max Martin as a writer and a producer a few times on this album. But the main song I want to just touch on is the third single off Thank You Next. And that's Break Up With Your Girlfriend. Okay, no shade. But is this like an autobiographical song for Ari? <laughs> oh God. I don't know, but it's just interesting. But... Side note, our girl Candy Burris was also a writer on this track. How cool. I love this song. I love the trap vibes. I think it's creative, unique. For me, I struggle because I think Ari has such a beautiful voice. And I feel like she is wasting it on songs like this. It's like she should be singing power ballads on every single album. But that's just me being selfish. She does a ton of her little like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah her little noises. We get her doing some like semi-rap vocals. Eclectic mix of sounds and genres. It also famously interpolates the NSYNC song, It Makes Me Ill in the bridge. So iconic. I remember hearing this and being like, why do I know this? Like, why am I singing this line? And this is the first time I've heard the song. It took me a second to like place it. Just made it so extra special when she brought them out at Coachella. And just like feels super fitting that Max Martin was behind 
this track with all his NSYNC history. Like, so cool. I would love to know what he thought of that. And like, what a beautiful example of the point that we're trying to make with this Max Martin series in the first place, that he wasn't just like a Y2K pop genius. He's evolved those skills over time and applied them to so many different kinds of artists. And I love how Ariana loves in sync for that bridge you know it's a change in the beat from the rest of the song and that switch just seems very max influenced just like a pulsating heavy consistent beat very identifiable but like again max's sound is evolving with the times like this is a trap R&B song with Ariana Grande, like from in sync to this, like he's really come along with the times and just brought his sound and some of his tricks with him and developed some new tricks along the way. And may he never stop applying his bag of tricks to new songs. I'm ready for the next one, Max. Lay it on us. As we all know, (laughs) Ari is on the verge of releasing her next album. She actually just announced her next single, Yes, Comma, And, and that's coming out on January 12th. So by the time this episode comes out, we will have heard Yes, And, and I'm sure we will all have our thoughts. Don't worry, pop music fans. It's been confirmed that Max and Ari have been working together a ton for AG7. Just knowing that, I'm super excited to experience whatever sound they have created for her together. It's clearly worked out. And for anyone listening, if you are a singer or aim to become one, the only thing I would suggest is to pull out the big (laughs) bucks and spring for Max Martin. He is certainly worth the investment as we finish our fourth episode on him (laughs) or whatever it is. So that's what I've learned. Kels, do you think you could get him to create a new intro song for us? Uh, Would our merch sales maybe cover his fee? Okay. I actually did the math, Mary. You'll you'd be so proud of me. I did the max oh. math and we'd need to sell 20,000 shirts. <laughs> oh, okay. So we're getting there. We're getting there. So you could help, dear listener, by leaving us a review and five stars so we can get an inch closer to this magnificent goal. Yes. And thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us on this musical journey. What's your favorite surprise Max song? Let us know in the comments, in the poll, whatever. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.